COVID case numbers in Taiwan continue to drop. 12 local cases were reported Sunday. All were concentrated in the greater Taipei area, with seven in Taipei and five in New Taipei. Sunday's daily number was the lowest in a week, and there was zero COVID-related death. Health Minister Chen Shizhong was visibly relieved at the daily briefing. There are 10 cases in which we know the source of infection. One case is unclear, and one case is under investigation. This is quite a rare occurrence, where the unclear cases are so few. In other words, the overall epidemic situation is currently under control. Of course, we still cannot take the situation lightly. The pandemic is still very severe around the world. We still see some rebounds in numbers, regardless of whether people of a place are vaccinated or not. There are few cases today and no deaths. We hope that with our continued vigorous endeavor, we can reduce the number of deaths. Chen also said the CECC has reached the decision that COVID vaccines can be mixed. He said the decision was made after consultations with the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. People in priority groups one through three will be allowed to get an mRNA vaccine even when their first dose was an AstraZeneca vaccine. But he didn't say when the measure will be put into practice. As the pandemic relents in the nation, level three alert will be lowered to level two on Tuesday. And many are now wondering when the next batch of the government's stimulus vouchers will come out. The executive yuan says it's still mulling over the best time to hand them out. Word has it that it'll be November at the earliest. But small vendors say the vouchers won't provide much stimulus to their business. With the specter of COVID hanging over the nation, traditional markets are empty of shoppers. Countless businesses have taken a hit and are struggling to stay afloat. When they learned about the Executive Yuan's plan to launch another COVID stimulus program, business operators welcomed the news with open arms. But at the same time, they're skeptical about how much benefit the vouchers will bring. It's pretty good in the early stage, but when you get to the tail end of it, it's almost useless. A stimulus is really needed because sometimes for us vendors, if there's no supplier upstream, then there's no way to have a stamped business registration certificate. So sometimes it doesn't benefit us. It's definitely helpful for me personally, but for my business, there's actually no difference. I'm not collecting the stimulus vouchers because we sell relatively small things. We sell fruit, onions, and smoothies. If someone gave me a voucher, I'd still need to come up with cash for the change. While some vendors say the help is negligible, the National Development Council is collecting citizens' opinions and formulating a scheme. It's been reported that the next batch of vouchers will be released in November at the earliest. There's not going to be cash being handed out. Instead, vouchers in both paper and electronic forms will be introduced. The economic stimulus plan is currently under evaluation and planning by the National Development Council, and the specific plan and schedule are still under discussion. Because of the impact of the epidemic, we need to look at how COVID develops and changes. With the nation still at level 3 alert and the executive yuan still formulating the plan, all that the public can do at this point is keep waiting. 
Let's turn now to the story of a Taoyuan nurse on the front line of the COVID war. Zhou Fangyu is a core member of Taipei Veteran General Hospital's Taoyuan branch. To protect her family from any risk, she spent weeks apart from them on three separate occasions. The hardest part is isolating from her young son. Let's catch up with her now. Nurse Zhou zips up her protective suit and pulls on her gloves. Then it's time to tape up all the gaps. Finally, she's in an impenetrable suit. After more than 10 minutes getting dressed, it's time to go onto the negative pressure ward and attend to COVID patients. While I get dressed, I have to be extremely careful with every step. I take it off layer after layer, and as I take the whole suit off, it's dripping with sweat inside from head to foot. No exaggeration. She writes her name in magic marker on the suit so patients can work out who she is to create a personal connection. But while Zhou does her best to comfort the sick, she's separated from her own child. The Taoyuan nurse has been separated from her family for more than a month three times since the pandemic began. Her heartbreak was obvious and she told us about her five-year-old son. I video call with my son every day and he's always crying. He cries and then I cry too. Every day he asks when I'm coming home. He really misses me and wants a cuddle. For Zhou's son, a cuddle from mom has become a precious rarity. To help care for COVID patients, Zhou stays at the hospital and stays away from her family. When she calls them, they see the marks printed onto her face from wearing a mask all day. Our nursing colleagues have been dauntless in the face of the pandemic. They used their professionalism and courage to hold the virus back together. The hospital dean, Dr. Lu Xinhua, can only sing the praises of his nursing team. He stressed that the hospital offers all the hygiene resources, PPE, and psychological support that are needed by staff. The dean, the nursing superintendent, and all the departments are really taking care of us. It makes us feel that when we resist viruses or enemies, we're never alone. I also want to thank my husband and my mom, who really support me. To protect the public, Zhou will stay on the front line as long as it takes. It's a burden shared by the whole family, but this gentle warrior won't give up easily. Now, Taiwan's first Tokyo Olympic medal was taken by Yang Yongwei, a 23-year-old judoka who is studying in Taichung. The medal was also Taiwan's first ever in judo. On Sunday morning, the silver medalist thanked his fans for their support in a video. He said his goal was to win the gold medal, and although he felt slightly disappointed with the silver, this experience will be his motivation for the Paris Olympics in 2024. In his first Olympics outing, Yang, dressed in white, successfully made his way to the final match, facing off against Takato Naohisa of Japan. Takato, who won bronze in Rio back in 2016, adopted a passive strategy throughout the four-minute match, resulting in a yellow penalty card for both players. In the Golden Score overtime period, Yang's seasoned Japanese opponent managed to divert all of his direct attacks, resulting in the third and final penalty to Yang before the match came to an end. 
Hi everyone. First, I'd like to thank you all for watching me on TV or via live stream yesterday and cheering me on. Thank you all. I'm also happy to have won Taiwan's first Olympic silver medal for judo. Actually, my goal was to win the gold medal, and although I do feel somewhat disappointed, this result will be one of my motivations to head for the Paris Games in 2024. Thank you all, and I hope you can all follow judo matches and cheer for Taiwanese judo athletes. Despite Yang's regret not winning the gold, his silver was actually Taiwan's first ever Olympics medal for judo. News of his victory traveled all the way back to his hometown, Shizu Township, Pingdong, where local villagers set up fireworks to celebrate. Today we are really overjoyed. Our very own warrior from Shizu Township, also our hero from Nanshi Village, had gotten the Olympic silver medal today. We are honored. He is the glory of the township. Yes, he did it. He showed the world Taiwan's judo. Proud as he was, Yang's father knew his son would not settle for silver. Judo is a family affair for the Yangs. Both his mother and older brother have experience in the martial art. Yang's brother is also his most trusted partner in practice sessions and will continue to accompany him on his long journey to gold. The U.S. Senate Armed Services Committee has passed the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2022, pushing the legislation forward for a final decision at the Senate. The act mentions that the U.S. will increase the feasibility of defense cooperation between the U.S. and Taiwan. It also mentions military cooperation and exchange between the U.S. National Guard and Taiwan's military. Experts say this is the first time the National Guard has been named in a collaboration proposal with Taiwan. Though the National Guard is under the command of a U.S. state, their equipment and training are on par with those of the U.S. Armed Forces. Due to the One China policy, the U.S. Armed Forces cannot collaborate directly with the Taiwanese military. However, through the National Guard, it is expected that military collaboration between the two sides will broaden and deepen in the future. With its liberal democracy and friendly people, Taiwan is rated as a top destination for expats. But for the 700,000 migrant workers who live here, there's a side of Taiwan that's less hospitable. That was never more clear than last month. As a COVID surge swept the country, migrant workers became the only people to come under a hard lockdown. Authorities say the lockdown is over, but in a Formosa News investigation, reporter Stephanie Yang finds evidence that it's continued to this day, even with the virus contained. Miaoli is a quiet county located on Taiwan's west coast. It is home to an industrial park where factory workers hailing from Vietnam, the Philippines, Indonesia and Thailand make high-tech products for a hungry global market. I'm currently at Zunan Science Park, where semiconductors are made, tested, and packaged. This May, it was hit hard by a COVID outbreak, which threatened to disrupt production. The first cases were two Filipino men from the same company. Like many other migrant workers in Miaoli, the two men lived in factory dormitories where cramped conditions were the perfect ground for the virus to spread. 
In line with protocol, the cases and their contacts were immediately placed in isolation. But by June 6, the virus had spread to two other companies in the park, infecting more than 200 people. 80% of them were migrant workers. It was then that the local government decided on a lockdown for all migrant workers in the county. Effective immediately, this county's migrant workers may not go outside, except during commuting hours. Taiwan was at a time under a level 3 COVID alert, which permits freedom of movement. But soon, signs were going up across the county, asking Taiwanese families not to let their live-in helpers outside. Factory workers were barred from leaving their dorms, except to work. Violators were stopped by police and patrol. What is your name? And they were threatened with fines by their employer. I spoke to one migrant worker who said her dorm manager promised a bonus for those who complied. But that bonus never materialized. Proponents of the measure argue that lockdown was an emergency measure needed at a time when COVID was spreading fast across the country. Migrant workers have turned Miaoli upside down. Let me ask you all, how would you feel if, as I described earlier, you caught COVID, perhaps even died from it? You wouldn't be arguing over human rights then. But concerns were raised by labor activists and the public. The county leader's Facebook page was hit with criticism, accusing Miaoli of launching a witch hunt against migrant workers. Throughout the pandemic, the Central Epidemic Command Center has been Taiwan's main decision-making body. But when questioned about the Miaoli lockdown, the CECC distanced itself, saying it was a unilateral decision by the county government. Two weeks later, Miaoli announced the cluster contained and the lockdown over. I also want to announce on this occasion that as of June 28th, all our migrant workers are officially released from lockdown. But a Formosa News investigation carried out in July found that lockdown restrictions are still largely in place. After one month, the Miaoli County government lifted its COVID lockdown restrictions on migrant workers at Dunan Sands Park. But what has life been like for migrant workers after the lockdown? Here at a market popular among migrant workers, there's hardly anyone here because some migrant workers are still restricted from moving around freely. This store, once popular with migrant workers, now sits empty. An employee here says that business has not returned since the lockdown. Sometimes there are vendors here, but not anymore. There are no vendors here because of the epidemic. Also next door, there's a store selling Filipino food. It's also been impacted. I encountered one worker outside the factory where she works and another one just outside of her dormitory. They said they still spend most of their free time confined to their dorms. We are just allowed for one or two hours, just for the protection for all of us. One migrant worker spoke to me via video call from inside her dorm. She said she was forced to move out of her rented apartment during the lockdown and has not been allowed to return since. 
I'm in front of an apartment that's rented out to migrant workers. A source told me her company ordered all migrant workers to move out of their apartments. For weeks now, they have been living inside company dorms. Now most of the migrant workers have moved away. I rarely see them now. There used to be a lot of migrant workers, probably more than 20, but now there aren't any. A major chip tester in Miaoli, where the first COVID cases were reported, declined my request for an interview, but a company representative was willing to confirm that strict measures were still in place on migrant workers. And their coordinators. Gina Lin is a former staff member at the de facto Philippines Embassy. She says that ever since Miaoli's outbreak, lockdown restrictions have been quietly imposed at other factories across Taiwan. Outside Miaoli, some other places, in, in Taichung, Kaohsiung, the latest I heard is in Tainan and Kaohsiung, it's uh, quite serious. I spoke to two migrant workers in Taoyuan who said that they are under a lockdown. They showed me their dormitory. They've been told they can go outside for one hour every month on their payday. Only if we have a salary. Today, we, our salary day, just one hour where we go up. So many people. COVID has already exposed the, the real problem. The cluster was not caused by the foreign workers. It was caused by a very cramped dormitory. There are cramping people from 8 to 10. There are 12. The worst, the worst I've heard is 30, 30 persons in a room. And there are rats running around, there are water dripping all around. And uh, there are all, um, only limited bathrooms and comfort rooms for them to use. Migrant workers told me these dorms feel no better than jails. Some say they understand that the continued confinement is for their safety and the public good. But they ask why the broader Taiwanese community is not subjected to the same policy. You're basically like incarcerated. It's okay if everyone is treated the same. But you know, you know, you know how you feel when you're walking, you're afraid and you see locals jogging, running, and they're free. So you know how it feels, right? And it's, it's, it's painful. And I'm glad that they lifted the ban. There's no reason why we shouldn't be going out. Because there's no lockdown. It's just level three. I asked the Ministry of Labor why they can't go out. An official told me that legally they can. He said the central government neither ordered nor authorized a lockdown on migrant workers at any point. There's no compulsory lockdown restriction. Employers cannot restrict migrant workers from going outside because that conflicts with migrant workers' right to freedom of movement, which is protected in this country. Zhuang said that the ongoing lockdown was being enforced illegally by the employers. He encouraged migrant workers to report unlawful treatment to the labor ministry. We recommend that these migrant workers call the 1955 hotline. We'll have the local government mediate the dispute. Workers can also seek compensation through civil litigation. But even though they have legal recourse, few migrant workers are fully informed of their rights or have the means to defend them. Without the right to vote, they have no political sway, making them easy to ignore. Scholars say that more action needs to come from the top down to protect them. And the Ministry of Labor should have more 
engagement, more field actions, in addition to their their uh, administrative uh, guidance, and really deploy the resources to help the employers, and then to to really improve the living conditions. Even as they battle COVID-19, Taiwan's industrial parks have promised to supply the world with semiconductors. But the virus has exposed once again the vulnerability of the workers they desperately need. As Taiwan rises to greater prominence in the global supply chain, it faces a reckoning with how it treats the migrant workers who power its economy. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Ling Dongming in Miaoli and Taipei. Turning now to the weather. With the departure of Typhoon Infa, the southwesterly monsoon has intensified, raising the chances of rain in central and southern Taiwan in the next two weeks. Residents in the mountainous regions of Kaohsiung and Pingdong should be on the lookout for torrential rain. Brief heavy showers may also occur on the plains. People in low-lying areas should watch out for flooding. Let's hear from the Central Weather Bureau. 那禮拜二之前,其實在中南部的雨呢,是比較局部一些的哦。那禮拜三之後呢,水氣就比較多。Before Tuesday, rain in the central and southern regions will be isolated. After Wednesday, there will be more moisture covering a larger area. If the moisture increases, then we won't rule out torrential rains in the mountainous regions in the south on top of brief heavy showers. So in low-lying areas, people should be on the lookout for flooding. The CWB also says that the island is currently under a large low-pressure system, which is conducive to the formation of typhoons, a possibility in the coming week or two.